So I like to go to Psalm 42, verse 3, where it says that my tear has been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? I just like to make echo to my brother Chris, where it's like, if that doesn't cut it, I don't know what else it could be. My food day and night has been tears. Imagine a person or yourself waking up just to have a breakfast of sickness, hurting, and sadness. And then in a few hours later, you have a, a lunch, a delicious lunch of suffering, betrayal, mourning. And just by the end of the day, when you think there were hope there, you have a dinner full of disappointment. Desperation and frustration. Just to go to bed feeling lonely, hopelessness. And wake up the next day to experience the same meal all over again. Same breakfast, same lunch, same dinner. Day after day without any hope in the future that may look like it will change your situation where you are in. Not only that, but then people around you start asking you and challenging you, where is your God? So they're not asking, where is God? They're asking, where is your God? The one that you said that is almighty. The one that you said is mighty to save. The one that is said that saved you from the death and give you life. The one that you say that is your healer. The one that said that gets you out of trouble. The one that is said that it will lead you the path in life. Where is your God in the middle of this desperation? They ignore that the word said in Ecclesiastes. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I had to do it. <laughs> it said that all things comes alike to all, to everybody. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked as well. To the good and the clean and the unclean. It doesn't matter. The same thing happens to everybody. But there is a difference between having God on your side and not having God. Because the scripture said that you were out in the world without hope, without that Jesus Christ that offered that hope. But now when you come to Christ, there's always hope in your life. So there is a difference. And I'd like to tell you right here and right now, where is your God? Maybe you are so desperate. Maybe you are so living through a sickness that you wake up every day to, a hurting that you wake up every day to, a sadness that you wake up every day to. That feeling of loneliness, hopelessness. I'll tell you where, the God, where your God is. Psalm 34, verse 18 and 19 said, that the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. So if you have a broken heart this morning, the Lord is near. And if you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your, of your life and Savior, He is not only near you, He's inside you. He's within you. He's in front of you. He's behind you. He's in your left. He's in your right. He's everywhere, and He's near to those who have a broken heart. The, the same verse says that many are the affliction to the righteous, 
So not only because you're a righteous person, you will have no affliction. So there are many afflictions to the righteous. But the good word is that he will, the Lord will deliver you out of them all. It doesn't say a few of them. It says of them all. He will deliver you from every single one of your afflictions. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He's near. So that's where your God is. He's near you, even though it appears not to be, even though you can't see it, he's near you. And he's not only near, but he's also inside you if you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know what Isaiah 43 verse 2 says? It says when you pass through the waters, <laughs> and the water means either two things. It says a multiple of people, that's a symbol that appears to be in the Bible when it talks about water, or multitude of problems and situations that looks like it will be drowning you. That's what water means when you look at the scripture. But what it says there, it says that when you pass through the water, I will be with you. So he is with you. Where is your God? He's with you in the middle of the waters. As a matter of fact, he's the one who walked over the waters. Nobody else has been able to do that. Your God walked over the water. And when it said when you pass through the water, he will be, he will be with you. He said, when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. So you feel like you're drowning, but you were not. Because it says here, he will, they will not overflow you. Because I will be with you. And he also said, when you walk through the fire, you should not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's what the word says. That's Isaiah 42, verse 2 and verse 3. And the guarantee we can have that is because the scripture says that the guarantee of this word is unbeatable. There's no guarantee like this one. It says 2 Corinthians verse 1, correction, chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For all the promises of God in him are yes. That not may be, they're yes. And in him, there are amen to the glory of God through us. So why? Why do we have to go through this circumstances that appears to be so dark that there's no light at the end of the tunnel? And I tell you right now, why? Because there is light at the end of the tunnel. And because there is a path of preparation for you to be a blessing and for you to be ambassador of the king of kings so that when you graduate from this situation, you can encourage others by going through the same situation. That's what the Bible says. First, second of Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, He comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that we, we ourselves have been comforted. Comforted by God. So that's your purpose right there. So speaking about hope, what is hope? When in plain words, it's just an expectation of a good future. 
put it that way. Let's keep it simple. So we can all understand and get, grab something out of it, and we can walk out here today knowing that an expectation is hope. Hope and expectation. So I want to talk about the categories of hopes, how the word describes our hope, the result of having hope. What is the foundation of our hope? What is the object of our hope? And who is this for? So there are two categories of hope. There's a natural category, which is the one that we human beings experience every single day. Just like Paul when he was at the sea after two weeks maybe of not seeing any star, any suns, and they were going through a storm. The, the word said that they lost all hope to be safe from that storm. But the only thing that kept them alive was that servant of God named Paul, that he was preaching in that boat in the middle of the storm that knew that God talked to his heart and he spoke to him and he knew that they were going to be fine. They were going to be alive after the storm passed. So he kept this hope and he was in the middle of it as the same as everybody else but he preached and kept everybody else in that hope that he had. So that's the same thing with our life. In the middle of our tribulation, God comfort us so we can comfort others and bring that hope. But it is okay sometimes to give up our hope of being saved because we're human beings. That's a natural hope that we all experience. And there is the impossible hope. That's the one that Abraham experienced. Against all hope, he believed to the one who made the promise. And you see, our view of God has to be bigger than our, the view of our circumstances. To experience impossible hope, we have to look at things. We have to, our view of God must be bigger than our circumstances. Our brother was speaking about election, and, and that Brought me back to many years ago. There was election day in Puerto Rico, and this guy who might have been like seven foot. I mean, I was a little, so maybe he looks. He was probably smaller than that, but he looked like a giant. And there was this cop that he was barely five feet. Well, at least he looks like against this big giant, and this big guy went into the, uh, the place where they were casting their votes with a gun. And, and that's illegal. You can't do that. So I saw this little cop going and facing that giant with just a baton in his hand and talking, talking to this giant like this. He said, prohibiting, preventing him to go into the uh, the place where they were casting the ballot. And at the time, I couldn't understand that. I'm like, gosh, man, if I was his side, I would just run. You know? But he knew that he had authority, that he had been given authority over anything, including anything that was bigger than him. See, when Jeremiah was just a little kid, he was called from, the, from God, and when Chapter 1, verse 10 said that, I have this day set you over the nation, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. 
and the same authority has been given to you. You may see, you may think that that was Old Testament, but in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 10, says, "Behold, I give you the authority to trample the on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, 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 nothing shall by any means hurt you." You have that authority. The enemy doesn't want you to recognize and to know that you have that authority over everything. He said nothing by any means hurts you. Note that he doesn't say nothing will bother you. He said nothing will hurt you. You may be inconvenienced, but the authority is there and nobody can take it away from you. No, Abraham, he moved seeing the invisible one. And we are called out to move the same way that Abraham did, the father of our faith, to move like seeing the invisible one. You know, they, I was uh, listening to this explanation about the iceberg, that there are huge pieces of ice, you know, built up, and the wind is not strong enough to move these icebergs. But they move. You know why they move? Because there are currents underneath the water that move all this massive mass of ice. You cannot see that current that are moving them, but they are moving because of that invisible thing. I remember the scripture said that all the invisible things are everlasting. The one that you can't see, they're just temporary. They can pass away. And your circumstances, they can pass away, but the one that you cannot see is everlasting. And it will support you and will help you to move through it, even though you can't explain it. That's the impossible hope. You know, it is so impossible that when you are in debt, I mean, when you are dead to move or to go anywhere. But the scripture said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, that even when you were dead in your trespasses, Christ made you alive. I mean, the Father made you alive together with Christ. So you were dead. So there was no hope over there, supposedly. But God made out of no hope a way that made you alive together with Christ, because by grace you are saved, and he raised you up together with him, and made you sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's what you are. That's what you operate in the spiritual realm. Together in Christ, seated in the heavenly places with Christ, alive with Christ. Noted that I always said with Christ, because without him, you can't do anything. So how the scripture describe our hope? He said it is a living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, that he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> also describe our hope as a firm hope and secure. Hebrew chapter 6 verse 18. Verse 19 I'll read. That we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It entered the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It's firm and secure. The anchor. You are the water. And your boat is being rocking around. You throw out the anchor. 
stayed in place. So our hope is being described as firm, as secure, as an anchor. So I encourage you to keep on grabbing that hope and not let go your hope. Because God is near you, God is with you, and he brings you hope. Scripture also describes our hope as a blessed hope. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. That for the grace of God has appeared that other that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-control, upright, and godly life in the present age. While we wait for whom? For the blessed hope that appears of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all weakness, wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Isn't that give you hope? People that are his very own. You are a Christ property. Nobody can touch you. Nobody can hurt you such a way that it would not touch and affect God. Hmm. That gave me hope. The product of hope, uh, the result of having hope, First John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, describe it as purity. It said that we know that when Christ appeared, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So the result of our hope should be purity in our life. It also produces an expectation of salvation. Romans chapter 8. It says, I give you verse 24. It says, For in this hope we were safe, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But remember, hope is an expectation. You haven't experienced it yet, but it's common. Also, having hope produces patience. Romans chapter 8, verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not, Yet have, we wait for it patiently. Also produce endure, endurance and encouragement. The foundation and base of our hope in the scripture, you can find it in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans 15 verse 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So where we can find hope? Right here, in the Scripture. Everything that I've been telling you here is all Scripture. So I was just looking up for hope. And this is what I came up with. So you can find that everything that was written here is to produce hope in our life. Either to overcome the natural hope and empower us to believe in that impossible hope and produce everything in our lives that is necessary to have that hope. Who is the object of our hope? (laughs) 
We're in the church, right? But we all know the answer to that. It's God. But does the scripture say that? Does it? It does. Psalm 39, verse 4 to 7, it says, Show me, Lord, <laughs> my life and then the number of my dead. Let me know how fleeting my light is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my ears is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath. Even those who seem secure, nice and healthy, strong and young. Verse 6. Surely everyone goes around like a mere pamphlet. In vain they, they rush about, keeping up wealth without knowing who's it, whose it will finally be. Verse 7. Finally says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. God is our hope. God is our hope. So what is this for? And I'm closing with this. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 to 31. I know for, for a fact you're not a thing, okay? You're, you're a human being. But if you can ever relate to a thing, let me, let me read a few things here that God uses for his glory. And if you, if you can identify with those things, you'll be safe and you'll have hope. Let me read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, 31. But God has chosen the foolish things. I'm not calling you fool. But if you can identify somehow, you might have hope because this is for you. He has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things. If you're a weak person, hey, he has chosen those things to put to shame the things which are mighty. He's the mighty one. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen. You feel like you've been rejected sometimes? Sometimes you're like, ah, oh, I don't fit in. People don't like me. People criticize me. I'm like, not worth after attention. Well, God has chosen the despise and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So if you're something, that's bad. You have to bring to nothing the things that are. <laughs> but that no flesh should glory in his presence. So if you're weak, foolish, despised, that's good news. Yet he has chosen those things. I know you're not a thing. But he has chosen those to glorify himself and to get all the glory and the honor that he only deserves. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. If you can identify with any of this, there's hope. Fornicators. Idolaters. Adulterers. Homosexuals. Sodomites. Thief. Do you have it up there? 
after Steve. What's the other word? The other one? And the other one? All that? Okay. Well, the thing is that you always hear, oh, don't you know that unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Nor of this or inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to hell. You're doomed. There's no hope. But that's not what the scripture said. The scripture said that some of you were this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's what it says right there. So there's hope. Don't let anybody put you so down, so low, that you lose any hope for your salvation. Because God has chosen you to be with him forever and ever. And I close with this, Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. You've been waiting on the Lord all this time. Have you been waiting? Have your food been day and night? Tears. And only and nothing else but tears. I encourage you to keep waiting on the Lord patiently because he said that he turn, he will turn to you and he will hear your cry. He will lift you out of the slimy pit. He will put you out of the mud and he will set your feet on a rock and give you a firm place to stand. Firm place to stand. That's our Lord Jesus Christ and that's our hope. It's a firm place to be. Your hope. Number three says, verse three says, he put a new song in my mouth. He will put a new song in your mouth. A hymn of praise to your God. And many, those who were asking you, where's your God? Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So whatever you're going through today, whatever you have been going through all these months, years, is just a preparation to represent the kingdom of God for those who have no hope at all. And those who have been asking you, where is your hope? Where is your God? The word says, many will see and fear that Lord, the Lord that you serve and you trust, and they will put their trust in him. You'll be an ambassador of God for his honor and his glory. Will you stand with me today and pray? I encourage you not to give up any hope. It has been given to you. Nobody will take it from you. Just as you are secure in God's hands, 
Nobody will put you away from him. Nothing can separate us from the law, from the love of God. And nobody will take that hope away from you. He has been chosen. And it's my prayer that God will produce that endurance that you need to give you the victory, to show you the victory that he has already given to you. And that it will appear in your life so that you can encourage others and help them in any trouble, as the scripture says.